together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing a Christmas hymn. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. The world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Amen. It is good to see you out for the Sunday evening service and as we launch into the Christmas carols. So that is quite the shift. We go from Thanksgiving, bam, right into Christmas. And that is what happens every year. And it's exciting to hear the Christmas songs and start seeing the Christmas decorations. I was driving through Virgins and great big bright Christmas decorations are already lit. And we're gonna see more and more of that every day, aren't we? So let's get in the spirit, celebrating Christmas. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your many, many blessings to us. And Lord, we do look forward to the celebration of the birth of the Savior. We rejoice in that. We celebrate that every year. Uh, we embrace it, Lord. Uh, certainly, we know that without the birth, the life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we would be without hope. And we thank you and praise you for that gift. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, fall less to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Light of the world, you step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. 
I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me, and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross, and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Let's continue in singing, and you may remain seated when we all get to heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions, pride and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon His beauty we'll behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. That the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail, let their truth prevail over unbelief. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds, help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace we'll stand on your promises and by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth filled with your glory. 
Amen. And if you would turn with me to Numbers 13 in your Old Testament. And while you're turning there, I thought I would also kind of toss out a thank you to those who do things that we don't even know who or we don't know what just happens. Uh, this fall, as we were coming past the mums at the church, they had didn't do well at all this year. And we pulled in the parking lot and somebody had brought... I think it was six beautiful mums and put them all around the base of the church sign out there. And we used those for weeks and weeks. We used some in here. We used some down below. We kept putting them out at the sign when it was not freezing. Uh, but people do things for the church that are a blessing. Um, I, the other day, I came, I came back from going hunting and I got back here on Wednesday and I pulled in the church parking lot and I noticed somebody had raked all the leaves out of the gardens out here. And I don't know who did that, but that's a wonderful thing to do for the Lord as well. And all the time, there are people in our church who do things for the Lord, large and small. Uh, they don't do them for the praise of men. <clears throat> they do them for the Lord. And that's wonderful. Thank you very much, whoever did those things. Numbers chapter 13. Title of the message this evening is Who Do We See in the Mirror of Scripture? And I'm going to take you into Matt, uh, Numbers chapter 13, and I'm going to ask you to look in this mirror of Scripture, and I want you to look for yourself. Um, we're going to see several people. We're going to see naysayers. Anybody know what a naysayer is? It's an old-fashioned word, but I'm old enough to be old-fashioned. So what's it mean to be a naysayer? Anybody? Downer. A downer, sure. Is that, is that the cool new way of saying that, Debbie? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were the, the hip young generation, you know. Or of course, even, even hip shows that I'm old, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I know. But we're going to see the naysayers, the prayer warriors. We're going to see the weak, the bold all of them are woven into this text. And as we look into the scriptures, the Bible teaches us, the book of James teaches us, that there are those who look in the mirror and they walk away without going ahead and cleaning themselves up. And sometimes if we're not careful, we do the same thing looking in the mirror of God's word. We see, but we don't fix what we see that we need to fix. And in this text, we see a great historical event, and in it, we see all different people involved, and we should see ourselves somewhere in this. And if we happen to see that we're a naysayer, we need to fix that. Now, if we see that we're a prayer warrior, we need to strengthen that. If we see that we're weak, we need to make a change, an adjustment. But if we see that we're bold, we need to use that boldness for the Lord. But as we go through this text, you watch, you listen. And uh, so I'm going to read to you kind of a spattering of scripture because we're going to go through this event and take out of it what we see for tonight's lesson. Numbers chapter 13, I'm going to read to you verses 1 down through 3. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Then jump down with me to verse 26 of the same chapter, and we're going to read all the way down through part of chapter 14. But look at verse 26 of chapter 13. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Paran, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. 
The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people, stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation, and said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land, to fall by the sword that our wives and our children be prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us, their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bowed to stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we look in these verses, in these scriptures, that as we look, we would see in the mirror ourselves. Whether we see ourselves as a naysayer or whether we see ourselves as a prayer warrior, whether we see ourselves as weak or bold, I pray that you'd help us to make adjustments and changes that we might honor you. We pray for your will and your guidance. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I started out by telling you that, that we would find in the scriptures the naysayers. And the naysayers are in chapter 13 verses 27 down through 30 and 31 through 33. 27 down through 30 gives us the positive pieces. It tells us that when they came... They, uh, it said, in fact, looked at verse 27 with me in chapter 13. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest, and surely it flourish with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. And so they showed them the great bounty, the milk and honey that was in that land. They showed them the positive so that everybody could see. It was a visual lesson for them all. But listen in verses 31 through 33 what the response was. But the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel. So we see that while they had positive information, and it was the same group of guys who went in, but when they came out, they had very different perspectives. And you and I are all different, aren't we? As we come to God's house, as we pull into the Lord's driveway out here and park our car, 
come in here, every one of us has a different life experience. Some of you this evening, as you were getting ready to come, you had a nice relaxing afternoon. Some of you, maybe you had to work all afternoon. Maybe you had a stressful day. Who knows what your circumstances are other than you and the Lord. But as we come together, it's up to us to decide what we do with what God's called us to do and what to do with worship, what to do with serving him in our church and doing the work of God in our daily lives. It's up to us to take our life experience and his calling and bring them in line with him. But here we find these same guys that were sent into the promised land to look at it and to come back and to give a report, but we find them very divided. And here we find these naysayers who are going to stand up and they are going to totally ignore the promise of God. Look at verse two, because this tells us what God had promised. It says, look at verse 13, verse two, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now, all of these men had heard the exact same thing. They had heard Moses say, go and look at the land. Go and check it out. God is going to give it to us. But they didn't all walk away with the same intent of serving the Lord. They didn't all walk away with the same desire to do that which God had called them to do. And we encounter these naysayers and right away they're going to ignore the part where God says, I'm going to give this to you. They also ignored the bounty, didn't they? Verse 23 tells us, look with me at verse 23, that uh, these spies, they came into the land under the brook of Eshcol. They cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. So these guys had gone into the land, they'd cut a great big cluster of grapes and they're bearing it between two men. They're bringing back pomegranates and figs and they're showing the bounty of that land. But these naysayers are going to ignore that completely. It's as if it was not there. It's not addressed. In fact, in all their naysaying, they never address the fact of all the bounty. They only talk about the bad. And that is what happens with naysayers. Debbie said, well, a naysayer's a downer. Is that what you said? That's the cool hip language of today. But the reality is downers or naysayers are every generation. And it's up to us whether we want to listen to downers and naysayers or whether we don't. Whether we want to be a downer or a, or a naysayer is up to us. We choose whether we want to listen and embrace the promises of God or we want to ignore them. We choose whether we look at the evidence of God at work or that we want to reject it and ignore it. These men, they're going to reject, ignore. As we come down, look with me at verse 28 in our text. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak. Well, what takes place here is the naysayers focus in on that. They're not focusing on the promise. They're not focusing on the bounty. They're focusing on the simple reality that, yes, there are strong people there. Yes, there are walled cities. Listen to what they go on down to say in verse 33. Their response is, And there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sights. That's what the naysayer focuses in on, is the worst of the worst. The absolute worst circumstance. The most negative. The most down or down type of thing that they can focus in on. And if you and I are not careful, we can be that naysayer. We can be that person that no matter how much we see God at work or see him answer prayers, no matter how much we hear God's promises or know that God is there present in our lives, instead giants rise up in our lives. 
a giant here or a giant there. Maybe that giant is a struggle in your family, or maybe that giant is your finances, or maybe that giant is some health issue in your life. And you step back and say, there's no solution. God is not able. Now, you, not, you may not vocalize it that, that clearly. These folks aren't going to say, no, God lied. He's not going to give it to us. That's not what they say. They make it about themselves. They say, we can't do it. They're too big. They're too strong. They're too, too mighty. We can't do it. And that's what happens to us too. We become a naysayer to the things of God. And we have to recognize them. We've got to look at it and say, well, wait a minute. That's, that's a weak point in my life. And I need to make an adjustment. I need to change my perspective. I need to stop looking for the giants. And I need to look at the blessings. My God is able. He is able to provide. It's interesting when you see the response of uh, Caleb. He says, no, wait a minute. These people are bread to us. They're provision from God. They're not a problem. They're just a challenge. And sometimes for you and I, we need to look at those giants and we need to be like David. David easily could step back and say, there is no way I'm taking down that giant. Everybody else did that, didn't they? All the other soldiers were standing back saying, oh man, that is a big Philistine giant. Nobody's going to be able to beat him. But David took the most simple thing, simply a stone and a sling, and he went out and he defeated Goliath. That's because he saw that giant as a challenge rather than as an obstacle. And you and I in this text, when we see these naysayers, these naysayers are looking at all the worst. They've made giants out of the land. And they say, we can't do it. And for us as Christians, we have to be the people who stop being naysayers. And we need to begin to be prayer warriors. And that's the second group I want you to see. Look with me at chapter 13 again. But I want you to look down with me at verse 3. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness. Now Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, so what had happened? Moses had listened to God. Moses was a man who communicated with God in some unique and marvelous ways. Let's face it, he hiked up and he came to a burning bush. That's never happened to me. But the reality is Moses was looking and aware and ready to hear what God had for him. Did he struggle? He did. God told him, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to tell them that the great I am is going to, he wants you to set these people free. And Moses said, Lord, I'm not really very eloquent. But you know what? In the end, he did it, didn't he? He went and he was communicating with God. And here we see, after he gets the nation of Israel out of Egypt, as they're getting ready to press forward into the promised land, it tells us that the Lord spake unto Moses. Moses was listening. He was communicating with God. Look down with me at verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. You find somebody who hears God and responds because God has called him to do that which he is supposed to do. And are we, it's one thing to bow your head and talk to God. It's another thing to listen to God. And see, Moses is listening to God. That's part of being a true prayer warrior. You have to be able to listen. One of the greatest weaknesses, they say, in a relationship is people who will not listen. They sit down with their spouse and they talk, 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 but they never listen. They sit down with their children and they talk, 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 but they never listen. And you and I, if we're not careful, we can be the same thing with God. We can sit down and go through lots of prayer but never listen. 
We talk about folks who, who do all kinds of ritual prayer, beads and all kinds of things. And we talk about how shallow that is. But in our prayer life, how shallow are we? Are we just going through the ritual prayer of thank you, God, for this meal? We bow our heads, but we really are not listening to God. Are we waking up in the morning and saying, God, bless me and bless my day and walk with me as I go forth. But we're really not listening to him as he guides and directs us. Moses was truly a man who communicated with God. He is listening. Not only is he hearing God, he's willing to obey God. He received the commandments because he's in communication with the Lord. Look down with me to chapter 14, verse 5. It says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Moses and Aaron, these are men who are going to lay prostrate before God and reach out to him. And they're not ashamed of anybody seeing it. When I was talking to Ann today at the hospital room there, and she said to me, Pastor, I watched the service this morning. She even referenced part of the service. She referenced John singing, the congregational singing. And she was not embarrassed at all. The nurses are coming in and out. She's not trying to say, by the way, I, I live streamed the service today. She didn't do that. But sometimes are we kind of that way? You know, we go to a restaurant and we think, all right, bow your head real quick, let's pray. Because nobody's looking. Are we embarrassed to be a Christian, to practice our faith? Moses and Aaron, it's, uh, it tells us they bowed down and prostrate. All the congregation saw as they bowed down to reach out to God. It should be that our prayer life, yes, we have a private closet. Yes, we have a private prayer life. But we should not be ashamed to pray with others. I go to the hospital where people are sick. And listen, when it's time for me to pray with those patients, I don't wait for the nurse to leave. I tell them, let's bow our heads and pray. I've had many a nurse step back and bow her head. And pray while I pray. I don't know if that's supposed to happen with nurses or not, Paul. What's the training? There is no training. It's an individual choice. But absolutely. We should not be ashamed or afraid to pray in front of others. These prayer warriors were bold. And they were faced with a very difficult situation. Moses and Aaron, this is going the wrong direction. These people are going to rise up against them. And yet, what they do, they pray. They turn to the Lord. Look with me at chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them. It's a very interesting text. Because what we find Moses doing here is talking to God just like you would talk to your neighbor or friend. Because God looks down at these people and God thinks to himself, you know what? These are an ungrateful, naysaying folk. And maybe we should just wipe them out. Maybe we've had enough of this. Maybe this is, this is right here with me. And Moses says, wait, wait, Lord. It's kind of like, like sitting down with your, your friend and saying, wait now, let's think about this. Let's count to ten. Let's think about this before you make a rash decision. He says to the Lord, he says, Lord, listen. If you wipe these people out, the word's going to get out that you took them out of Egypt. You let them into this wilderness. And then you killed them all. Hmm. Are you that comfortable to talk to God? Because that's what a, a true prayer warrior is. They're just comfortably talking to their God. I have people sometimes who say to me, well, I, I just don't know how to pray. I can't pray like you, Pastor. Listen, I'm just talking to God. Right. I, I, we went to, I went to college. They never said to me, here's how you pray. They just taught me that I need to pray. 
They never said to me, well, this is the form. This is the structure. This is what impresses God. This is what impresses your congregation. They never did that. They taught us to have a personal relationship with God. He is my heavenly father. But he's also my friend that never leaves me nor forsakes me. And here, Moses, he's simply talking to God. He is, in, he is in a jam. These naysayers, they'd just as soon take and stone him. They're already saying amongst themselves, let's rise up a captain. Let's go back to Egypt, which is the craziest thing. They just drowned a whole bunch of folks from Egypt. What do you think the welcoming party would be like when they got back? Moses goes to the Lord. He is a prayer warrior. Aaron is a prayer warrior. Joshua is a prayer warrior. These men are going to reach out to God. And we should ask ourselves, are we that comfortable that we can talk to God anywhere, at any time, about anything? That's who we find here. But I told you there's more that we see in the mirror of this scripture. And one of them is we just see weakness. Have you ever seen people who are just weak? They're not strong enough to stand up for right. But instead they push back, they bend, they, they flex away. Let's look at what takes place here in uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. And all the congregation lifted up their voice. And cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. I wish I could do that like that, that really whining kind of. You know, you hear, or would God we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land? To fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. These people are weak. They're weak. They're listening to the loudest squeak in the night. You know how when you're just a little kid, I grew up in an old farmhouse. And when it was dark and everybody went to bed, all the ghosts and goblins came out. <laughs> My bedroom was upstairs and there were great big trees outside and you could hear them rustle and all of that. And you could imagine in your head crazy things. You had to be strong. You had to, no, that's not, that's not, that's not somebody trying to get in the window on the second floor. No, I'm okay. Or you could be weak. And certainly as a little, little boy, I can remember going down and going in my parents' bedroom and saying, Dad, my parents had one answer to that. Either go back to bed or you can sleep on the floor. That was the answer. Sleeping on the floor was not cool. It was an old farmhouse. Drafty, spiders, possible mice. No, you go back to your bed. But the reality is it's not long you learn to be strong. Here, these people, they're weak. They're listening to every squeak, every squawk, every naysayer. In fact, not only are they listening to every squeak and squawk, they themselves are becoming squeakers and squawkers. Look at verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. They started to pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. And usually when it gets passed on, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. So whatever giant they started talking about, well, you know, the, the giants of Anak, I mean, we're as grasshoppers before those giants. Before long, we're just 
flees before the giants. It just gets worse and worse and worse, doesn't it? With all the grumbling, griping, murmuring. And it's because they're weak. Look with me at chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and they wept. Sometimes we have to be careful or we become crybabies. Now, I, you know, when you're kids, when you're grown, how many of you will admit with me that kids can be mean? Have you ever, kids can be mean, can't they? But I'm telling you, kids are mean to cry babies, especially boys. Boys can be unmerciful to a crybaby. And if you're going to be a crybaby, you better be able to take it because boys are relentless towards crybabies. Far better to toughen up, straighten up, and learn to take life the way it comes. And for you and I as parents, far better to teach our kids. And I know this flies in the face of all that our today's society teaches us. But there is nothing wrong with looking at our boys and saying, you're okay, get up and stop crying. Because there's going to be many things in life that come. And they have to not be a crybaby. Here, you and I learn some things spiritually. These folks here, they have gone ahead and so focused on the giants. They've gone ahead and listened to every squeak and squawk of the naysayers. That here they are as a people weeping and wailing when God had already told them, I'm going to give you the land. I just want you to go and check it out. And if we're not careful, we're just as bad. We're just grown-up crybabies. We face things in life, and instead of believing God and trusting God, we wail. No, we need to be stronger than that. We need to not be weak. Look with me at chapter 14, verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Listen, these are the same folks who had been crying out. God said in Egypt, he says, I hear their voices. I hear their suffering. I hear their crying in Egypt. And now they're saying, oh, we should have just gone back there and died. They're an ungrateful lot. Ingratitude is part of weakness. There's strength in being grateful. Learning to look at those who help you and provide for you. And being grateful. Learning to look and recognize God's hand at work in your life and being grateful. Your job, your spouse, your parents, your home, your community. Learning to be grateful. These folks are not grateful. They're weak. Look with me at chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land? To fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain. Let us go back to Egypt. And when you look at that, you find folks who are just flat irrational. Have you ever met people who are just irrational? What they're saying doesn't even make sense. And you try to rationalize with them, but they're, they're not strong enough to see the situation clearly. And these people have become irrational. It's ludicrous. To think that God had brought them there for their wives to be taken in captivity and their children to be killed. It's ludicrous to think that they're better off to go back to Egypt. And if we're not careful, we can become that weak in our lives. That we don't even listen to common sense. 
they have become a weak people. What they really need to do is muster up and become bold. And we do, we do find bold people here. Look with me at chapter 13, verse 30. You come down to that verse and it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Moses, I, I mean, uh, Caleb is not going to put up with it. He's, he's listening to these other naysayers. He's looking at these weak people and he's saying, wait a minute, this cannot fly. We need to immediately rise up and go and take that land because God is going to give it to us. He is bold. He is strong. He's not worried about the intimidation of others. He's not worried about what are giants over in the other side of the land there. He is just all in for the things of the Lord. He is all in. He's committed. He's willing to stand up and to be vocal. His perspective is not looking at the giants. His perspective is looking at the Lord. Because the Lord is bigger than any giant. Whatever the giant is in your life, God is bigger. You and I, every one of us, if God is on our side, we are the victor every time. He is going to take us through. Even if it is through the very valley of the shadow of death to get to the other side. Listen, we are victors. And that's exactly how Caleb feels. And he is not afraid to stand up. Look with me at chapter 14, verse 7. In fact, I'll read to you verse 6 and 7. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephthunah, which were of them that searched the land, they rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. These guys are bold. They're willing to stand up and they're showing to these people when they rent their clothes, they're showing the symbol of, of mourning. They're mourning the fact that these people are weaklings and naysayers. They're mourning the fact that these people will not believe their own God. They're saying, listen, you and I need to step up. And we need to go do what God has given us. And they were right. When you come down to chapter 14 and you look at those verses, verses 8 and 9, we see them make bold statements. He will bring us into the land. Bold statements like he will give us. He will give it to us. And then it's interesting. Look down there. And he tells them. He says don't rebel against God. Look at verse 9. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bread for us. He really summarizes it down. The naysayers and the weak, really what they are is rebels. They're rebels against God. They're unwilling to step up and trust the Lord. Because God is able. And we rebel when we don't follow his leadership. When we look in the mirror of the scriptures... We see all kinds of people, and that's what's so wonderful about the Bible. You see, if I were to write a history, personally, everybody'd be a hero. Why not? If you're making it up. If you're making it up, you can make everybody a hero. Everybody's a winner. They all get a trophy. That's how people make things up. But God's not making it up. And he says, you know what? There are some great people who really are bold. 
they're prayer warriors, they're servants of God. But you know what? There's also naysayers who are weak and easily defeated. And he says to us, you decide. You decide. Who are you going to be? Who, who are you going to emulate in your life? Now, I think as a whole, Victory Baptist Church has absolutely, through the decades, has stood up and said, we are prayer warriors who are bold, who are willing to step out by faith and trust God. But we have to keep at it to stay strong, don't we? You know, Zach back here, we often talk about how strong Zach is. But that doesn't happen by accident. You, got, you have to invest something into it. The calorie intake alone of a guy like that <laughs> to maintain that kind of muscle mass. That all by itself is a job. For us to be strong, to, for us to be bold, for us to be victors, we have to practice our faith every day. It has to be a part of who we are. Whether we're in the hospital bed and we're singing along with our church, or whether we're on our job where people are making fun of us and giving us the stink eye, we still worship our Lord. Whether you're at the restaurant where nobody's ever seen somebody bow their head and pray, but you do, because you're a Christian. It's our choice. God gives us the mirror. It's up to us what we do with it. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you that you love us. And Lord, you do show us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lord, we are fortunate to be people who can look into the scriptures and we can see, we can see what we should be. Help us. Because in and of ourselves, we are weak. And the natural man is a naysayer. But through the power of your transformation, through, through the Holy Spirit's work within our hearts and souls, we can be bold prayer warriors who communicate with you, Lord, who hear you, who follow you. Help us. Help us to do that which is right. We thank you. And as we're dismissed, we lift up to you those in our church family that need your healing hand. They need your touch. They need your encouragement and your strength. Please be with them tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming out tonight.